Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. I'm delighted to be joined today by Alexi Bastidas, deep learning algorithms engineer and researcher at Intel. Welcome to the show, Alexi. Thank you for having me, Allison. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Really excited to talk about the topic titled Mapping Disasters with Artificial Intelligence. But before we get deep into that, why don't you just give us some background on yourself and your role at Intel? Sure. Yeah. So I've been working at Intel for about three years now. Prior to working at Intel, I was actually in the military, so I served in the United States Marine Corps. I bring that up to say that upon joining Intel, I was very fortunate to kind of leverage my military background to join the part of our federal team here at the Intel Artificial Intelligence Research Lab that we work in. And by virtue of working through these kind of more government-oriented like work, one of the things that we really started looking into was this issue of satellite imagery. Obviously, as you can imagine, the government uses a lot of satellite imagery, but the government's not the only really consumer of this type of data. There's a lot of humanitarian organizations that also work with this type of data. And so as we started getting more experience working with geospatial data and getting more expertise with this type of work, we really saw an opportunity to try to help out organizations that don't have the amount of compute or human resources needed to be able to apply artificial intelligence to this type of data. And so we sought out to engage with the Red Cross. And so we've been engaged with the Red Cross for over a year now. And we've been working with them to really help frame and scope out this foundational mapping project that we've been embarking upon. When I say foundational mapping, what we're referring to is oftentimes folks think of things like Google Maps, Waze, Apple Maps, and they kind of take these things for granted in the modern Western world. We just assume that Google knows exactly where all the roads are and it will take us perfectly to where we need to go. However, when we go into the developing world, that's not always the case. The data there is not always perfect. There's a lot of data that's missing from those mapping frameworks. And so this causes problems in particular when you have to deal with responding to a natural disaster. You can imagine that if you don't know where all the roads are before a hurricane hits, then after the hurricane hits, you have no idea where flooding has occurred. You don't know what roads are washed out and what aren't. And so if you don't have an accurate map of what was there beforehand, it really prevents you from responding to the disaster as it's ongoing. The other thing to consider with these types of foundational mapping projects is that a lot of natural disasters that organizations such as the Red Cross respond to are weather events. So you can think of cyclones, typhoons, hurricanes, et cetera, even volcanic eruptions for that matter, you know, they also release an ash cloud. And what I'm getting at is that because these weather events or volcanic eruptions occlude the satellite sensor, they create clouds, which makes it so you can't look into it. It actually makes it extremely challenging for somebody like the Red Cross to respond to an event because it usually takes about a week and a half to two weeks after the hurricane has hit before you can actually start even collecting reasonable satellite imagery over the area. We point to Puerto Rico, Hurricane Maria. I think it took altogether three weeks after the fact for eight organizations to be able to have a proper map of what the area looked like after the disaster. Just to highlight that it's a very key issue. It affects lots of areas. You know, we usually think of it as a developing world problem, but obviously it also happened in Puerto Rico at a broad scale. It's happened in Katrina and New Orleans, et cetera. So it's not just unique to those areas, but it's a very important problem. Now, obviously, this is an opportunity for AI and, and then one that can really make a huge impact on society. So what has the Intel team done with the Red Cross in terms of addressing this issue? So 
we initially worked with them to kind of come up with the scope of an individual region or project that we could use as kind of a starting point in a way, but that can also be something that is still actionable, usable, and adds benefit or value to the Red Cross. And so working with, in particular, one member of the Red Cross, his name is Dale Coons, we worked with him to kind of delineate what a target area would be and what a target feature would be to try to extract. So for the target area, we ended up settling on Uganda. And the reason for that is that Uganda has been in the past ravaged by pandemics, so disease outbreaks such as Ebola, and also natural weather disasters that cause massive flooding events, wash out roads and prevent people from moving from one area to another. So what we wanted to help out with them in particular was finding bridges in Uganda. The reason why we chose bridges is because bridges themselves are one of these points of failure when it comes to flooding events. Because they go over water, they're very easy to get washed out. And so we really wanted to get a sense of where all the bridges were, such that after a disaster, we can quickly get a sense of what bridges have been washed out so we know what route you can drive through, essentially. What is the progress that's been made on the collaboration in terms of what is capable now? So on one end, we have gone through and at this point, we sat down with the Red Cross and handed over locations for 17 new bridges that had not been previously included in either OpenStreetMap, which is an open source map equivalent to Google Maps. The difference is, though, that OpenStreetMap is crowdsourced. And so individual people across the world can draw features on the map. Before those features get ingested, though, OpenStreetMap has a team of human volunteers that validates to make sure that the information is properly ingested. Like I said, we delivered these bridges that weren't part of OSM, so this open source repository that the Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, lots of other organizations use on a daily basis, as well as Ugandan government maps. So we actually did reach out to the Ugandan government and in particular to the Ugandan Bureau of Statistics to get a sense of what is currently mapped by the government itself. And so the 70 bridges that we located were, again, not existing in either one of those previous layers. And so at this point, what we've done is go ahead and hand them off to the Red Cross so that they can get ingested directly into OSM. It is immediately accessible to every single humanitarian organization in the world. Uh, so Doctors Without Borders, the American Red Cross, the Ugandan Red Cross Society, the British Red Cross, et cetera, all these different organizations all have access to the same data. And so it allows us to put it in a place where it's easily accessible and helpful to folks. Now, I know that the Intel team leveraged our knowledge of deep learning algorithms, but also leveraged Intel technology to deliver this. What platforms are being used in terms of driving the AI inference for this solution? And what software tools did we tap? So when we think of training a computer vision model, a deep learning AI model, Generally speaking, we're thinking of a model that can help classify an image of a dog, an image of a cat, what we would consider natural scenes. And they're also, generally speaking, framed with gravity as a frame of reference, right? The bottom of an image is the down part, and so everything is grounded to that bottom part. When we look at satellite imagery, you don't have that anchor of gravity, right? You're looking overhead, and so models can't rely on these frame of references so models have to be able to be rotationally invariant as well as translation invariant, which is not necessarily the case for traditional computer vision models. Another big challenge for satellite imagery is that you have significant range in scale. If I'm labeling bridges, a satellite image of the Golden Gate Bridge might take up an entire swath of the image, and that would all be classified as a single bridge. However, a small one-lane bridge over a narrow stream is also considered a bridge. And we have to have a model that can identify both, despite the massive shift in scale. 
And then lastly, satellite imagery is generally speaking extremely high resolution and has a very high pixel count. And so for us, that's actually a great opportunity to leverage existing Xeon processors because it allows us to run inference on giant chip tiles. So we're talking 1024 by 1024, 512 by 512, or even larger, and still be able to put all the image at one time on board the processor to do that inference in one pass. In contrast, when you work with other types of accelerators for that type of inference, because you're limited by the memory available, you're not necessarily able to fit the entire image or as many images in a batch at once, which introduces problems during the training as well as during the inference. And so because of that, we opted to try our Cascade Lake Xeon processors in order to run the inference across the southern region when we went to determine the new found bridges. In order to make the model more accessible and to deploy it across a variety of platforms, we're also looking at utilizing OpenVINO as well as NGRAPH in order to compress our model further and allow it to run across a range of Intel architectures. You know, you gave the um, experience of, of uh, Hurricane Maria. Where do you think this technology um, will be utilized by the Red Cross and, and obviously uh, potential to be utilized by other NGOs um, to help with different situations? And um, what does the Red Cross plan on doing with it at this point? I think the promise of this technology is really to accelerate the response time and improve the readiness and preparedness of these organizations. Today, if the Red Cross decides that they need a map of a particular area, the way that is played out right now, they have to select the area to create a polygon over that area. And then they create a task, a project, essentially, on the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team homepage. This allows volunteers to go through and look at satellite imagery and draw on the imagery to say what's what and where is it. The problem with this, though, is that, as you can imagine, A, it's hard to mobilize volunteers, especially given the number of natural disasters that occur across the globe. It is a challenging problem from a numerical people standpoint to get volunteers to be able to chug through all that data quickly. And so what we're trying to propose is that by introducing machine learning into this pipeline, we can significantly accelerate the speed at which people are able to label these new areas or map these newly found regions that need aid at this point. The counterpoint to that is that also one of the challenges that we found is that even using deep learning or AI is also not necessarily the most scalable thing right now. The reason for that is because AI is very data dependent or data hungry. And so when we go to generate models that can extract different features across different regions, what we've come to find is that it's very hard to get a model that was trained in one region to transfer and do just as well in a completely separate geographic region. So generally speaking, when it comes to developing these models, you have to gather training data for every single new region that you're going to. One of the things that we're looking at doing now is rather, instead of having models that generate predictions that end up having to get human validated anyway, how about we generate models that can accelerate the labeler him or herself? We can use the model that we built here, so our bridge detection model, such that when someone is looking at an image, the model can point their eyes to where we think the bridge is, but they can kind of make the decision there or not. And the idea being that this allows people to move faster through these tiles because then you already have pre-generated predictions and all they're having to do is just kind of go through that last validation step. We are also interested in researching and trying to come up with ways to leverage existing open source data to make models that are more robust, more generalizable, and can be a little bit more tolerant to this geographic distinction area. 
That's awesome. I am so excited by this collaboration. It seems like it can really drive positive impact into society. And it's great to see the Intel team partnering with such a great organization as the Red Cross. Congratulations on this collaboration. Um, I'm sure that folks want to find out more about it. Where would you send them for more information? What I would recommend that people can head to the website, missingmaps.org. That's the landing page for where these organizations go to create their projects in order to drive volunteer participation or just be able to source new types of data. And so I would really ask folks to head over to that site. You can help out doing mapping yourself. It's very easy and straightforward. And you don't have to do a lot. You know, any little bit helps. Missing Map also organizes different Mapathon events where individuals come together and they just sit together, you know, and for a few hours they map on a specific project just to try to drive progress on that end. Well, congratulations on this collaboration, Alexi. It's so cool. I'm sure folks will want to engage and learn more. Please come back on the show when you've got another collaboration to talk about. Be happy to. I appreciate that. Awesome. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization. 